0: As a quick disclaimer, this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Also, as a trigger warning, this podcast includes in-depth details about eating disorders and mental health disorders. Hi, my name is Lauren, and you are listening to Southern Fried Recovery. We're glad you're here today. Hello, and welcome back. We are so glad that you have decided to join us for the second episode of Southern Fried Recovery. And by us, I mean my husband and I, who is my usual co-host, but I think he will not be joining me until the next episode, when we really delve into the depths of my eating disorder. I want to talk in this episode about childhood, and it wasn't until probably I was in my 20s that I started to remember these things from my childhood that really shaped up what was going to happen to me at the age of 14. And, you know, it it took me years to even say out loud that I had an eating disorder. I knew I did. I knew that what I was doing was not normal or healthy but I never said it out loud. It was like this this secret that I tried to keep and it was like a, a friend that I tried to protect and that is the way I viewed my eating disorder. But let's go back to maybe five years old. I briefly mentioned in the first introductory episode of Southern Fried Recovery that I was always in the 90, 95th something percentile in height and weight. And I later had a therapist say to me, and it it made so much sense. He said, well, yeah, if you're going to be in the 90th percentile for height, it would make sense that you're in the 90th percentile for weight. And it kind of clicked then that that, that's okay. That was, that was fun. But I remember asking my mom after a doctor's appointment, maybe when I was five or so, you know, mom, mom, what do these numbers mean? What is 90, 95th percentile? What does that mean? and she told me she said that that means you're you're taller and you weigh more than than 90 95 percent of children your age and she later on you know she told me that she was not explaining that for any other reason than for it to be informational but i took it as well you're heavier and fatter and taller than all the other kids so i just in my mind it meant i was bigger and i like I said last time, I already knew that I was taller than the boys. I wore bigger clothes than all the girls, and that was tough, uh, and it was tough to hear, but I will defend my mother to this day because that, that was not her intention for me, for me to to internalize that and think that there was something wrong with me. She was just being informational about it, and and for that, I thank her. So also around the time I was maybe five or six years old, Um, I I went to doctor's checkups every year, and I, I don't know if this is one of the ones where they checked my height and weight, but my doctor told me that I always needed to be a part of the Clean Plate Club. Now, maybe if you're from the South, maybe that's, I don't know if that's a regional term. I don't know if you've heard that before from your doctor, but it basically meant that what my parents put on my plate, I should eat. And so at the young age of five, I was already not practicing intuitive eating because I was not listening to my body's hunger and fullness cues. And I was just eating whatever was on my plate. And I'll, I'll always remember, you know, times that I, my parents put food on my plate. I ate whatever that was. Whether it was soup or spaghetti or pizza or um, chicken, anything, and when I got done, I would, you know, proudly exclaim, "I'm a member of the Clean Plate Club," and we would celebrate, and it, it was it was like this great feat that I had I had achieved, and I think that started out um, some very unhealthy patterns with eating, and from then on i i always tried to eat whatever was on my plate and i guess it was ingrained in my brain that if you left food on your plate then you were not going to be healthy and how little did i know that it was the exact opposite so that was around the age of five or six maybe the age of six or seven i had a project in school and (laughs) my mom was a teacher at the school i went to and i i I never missed out on doing my homework, but for whatever reason, um, this particular day we were driving to school and it, it dawned on me, mom, 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 mommy, mama, mom, I forgot to do my health project. And so we, we panicked, we got there early luckily. So we sat in the car and we did this project and it was, um, I I guess it was either from the PE teacher or the, my, my homeroom teacher maybe for a science lab or something. Um, we did a project where it asked you, you know, certain foods, if they were good or bad. As in, you know, if food has moral value, which is not true. But that's beside the point. Um, and it, it asked, you know, what, what are some foods that you could eat that would be bad? And we were in a hurry. And so my answer was Coke and a lot of pizza because I did not know what else to put I don't I don't think I put anything like cookies or cake or anything but I remember thinking that a lot of pizza and coca-cola was going to be bad for me so I rushed and put it down and I answered the rest of the questions and I think I got a 100 on the assignment but it was kind of ingrained in our brains also from an early age that food was inherently good or bad And you should stay away from bad foods and only eat the good foods, like, I guess, salad, carrots, things that now we know would not fill you up and would not be part of a balanced diet. But we were just, you know, and I don't blame the people that taught us this because, you know, they they had a job to do and they were taught to teach us all of these things and they had to do it. And like my dad always said, you know, if, if I don't do my job, they're going to find someone who will. And I'm sure that was in the teacher's minds as well. But I, I will always remember the pizza and Coke assignment from, you know, ages six or seven on as is teaching me that certain foods were bad. Now, let's skip ahead. I was maybe nine years old at this time. And my Maybe I was eight. My grandfather had recently passed away. He passed away when I was seven, and we had a big family yard sale. My my granny had lived there for a couple of years after he passed away before she moved, um, but we had a yard sale to get rid of some of the things that she no longer wanted, and it it kind of became this big family yard sale. So I brought my old clothes that I couldn't wear anymore. My mom did the same. We had household items, all, all kinds of things. And so I was so excited just to make a little bit of money. And for some reason, I was excited that at least here when you have yard sales, you get up at the crack of dawn. And I was, I was just so excited about it all. And my excitement was short-lived. Um, there was a girl who came to the yard sale that I, I kind of knew from school. She was a year or two older than me. And she was tall and she was slim and i saw her pick up a pair of my old jeans and she wrapped them around her waist and they would have been too big on her and i thought that um i I felt like i was an inch tall and i I remember thinking to myself you know older girls should be bigger than me why is this girl that is a year or two older than me why are my pants basically falling off of her she should be bigger than I and that that was the first time that I guess I really realized that not all bodies were the same and that you know not that that was okay but that that was going to be the reality and so that hurt me pretty badly because i i you know i already talked about things that had happened in previous years and that was just another thing that that made me feel like i was not good enough because this older girl was smaller than i was let's get forward to maybe 11 years old i um, had a lot of friends a lot of family you know, for, for all intents and purposes, I was very well loved. But I did not love myself. And that was starting to manifest the more all of these aforementioned events happened. I remember this incident where my friends and I had all gotten the same necklace. It was a gift for us. And every one of them put on their necklace... And it looked beautiful, and I was so excited, and I think it was around Christmas time, and I went to put on mine, and it did not fit around my neck. And that, I I cannot explain the feeling of, one, shame and humiliation, and two, you know, just another reason for me to feel like I was an outcast, like I was not good enough, that I was not pretty enough, And we had to go to a jewelry shop and get that necklace expanded so it would fit around my neck and that that was just another thing and you know i I think i had gotten used to some of these things by now but at the same time they were still shocking and humiliating and i just i felt like everybody around me was laughing at me and they weren't i i i do not remember a single soul laughing at me during that instance when the necklace didn't fit me. They, you know, went on with their day, I went on with mine. Everything was fine, but it was eating away at me by this point. And so, that next year I was in middle school and we were in a home economics class. Um, I think it was called healthful living. I think they'd kind of changed the name away from home economics. But we watched this movie with actress Tracy Gold. I don't know if any of you have heard of her. Um, She was popular in the 80s. She was on the sitcom Growing Pains. But she made a lot of movies and TV shows. And she struggled with anorexia. And I'm looking at my notes here so I don't um, make up any part of her story that I don't really know. Um, this, This article says that from about the age of seven... She uh, was on many television sets and had learned what it was like to diet and try to look better for a role, and um, she eventually lost a lot of weight and was in a hospital and in a, a recovery program. But what bothers me about this movie is that it was called For the Love of Nancy, and this movie was about it was it was based on her but she was not playing herself she was playing a girl named Nancy it was based on her story and it was about her eating disorder and what really bothered me years later i read about this movie and you know i remember back to the scene where she's looking in the mirror and she's completely skin and bones And, you know, there's dramatic music playing and it it just made you feel like, oh, this poor girl. But yet, obviously, that was not enough to stop me from going down that same road. Um, But I was really bothered years later when I read that while she was filming that movie, not only was it based on her life, it was based on her eating disorder that she had while she was filming the movie. And that bugged me because she obviously... Probably had to keep up with the low, low weight and the low amount of calories that she ate a day in order to look like a person with anorexia for this movie, and that's always kind of sat with me that yeah, it's great that they told her story in that way, but it was extremely damaging to her. I, I can imagine for her to think, you know. I have to continue to diet and lose weight and starve myself because if I don't, I won't look like the anorexic girl that they want me to play in this movie. And so that, um, that was always kind of maybe, maybe the first moment that I knew what an eating disorder was that, like I said, was not the reason that I developed an eating disorder, but it was around that time. And I, I remember, you know, they, they showed us that movie to deter us from engaging in such dangerous practices when it came to eating and dieting and losing weight um like i said we were we were 12 13 years old and we were still developing and growing and so there was no no reason for us to want to lose weight when we were still um growing and we were still trying to let our bodies develop naturally and all of that kind of made me think about anorexia in in a way that makes me mad at the industry um a little bit the the entertainment industry because they they tried to do a good thing with showing this movie and letting us kids and i say kids because we were um we were preteens but we were kids letting us see firsthand what an eating disorder looks like but for tracy gold that had to have been damaging to her and my heart goes out to her. I think as, as far as I know today, she is doing well. Um, I'm not sure how much she still um, acts, but she uh, I think speaks out about eating disorders and has um, recovered as, as much as one can recover. And I'll, I'll talk more about that later when I, when I say that one is in recovery. That does not mean that they are completely without their eating disorder. That just means that they are actively trying each and every day to not let it manifest again in their lives. So that was maybe 6th or 7th grade. The last part of my childhood that I want to talk about was maybe the first thing that I thought about when I realized I had an eating disorder and when I realized that I wanted to in my recovery, practice more intuitive eating and, you know, appreciating the fact that I allow myself to eat. Because for so many years, I didn't. Um, and this memory revolves around health class in middle school. And we would learn about, you know, healthy foods, um, hydration, our bodies, our, our growing and changing bodies and there was a poster in the room i don't even think it was a poster i think it was handwritten by our health teacher that said and i quote if it tastes good spit it out and that is how we were taught to eat and to pay attention to what we eat excuse me and again going back to the elementary assignment of pizza and coke we were taught that anything that tastes good was bad for us and what kind of life would we be living if every single thing we ate did not taste good to us what would be the point where would be the joy i wrote about that health teacher later on in a college assignment about my eating disorder and um, how that teacher really influenced me later in life and not um, in the most positive of ways but again teachers were just teaching what they were taught themselves and that was their job and they had to do it to the best of their ability so i don't hold a whole lot of ill will towards this particular teacher but i am grateful that we are in a place where we are encouraged to eat a variety of foods and that we are encouraged to nourish our body with tasteful foods and not things that we hate because if you eat you know all of these things all day long that do not satisfy you emotionally and physically what what's the point so that's a little bit about my childhood and some of the things that shaped me into the more intuitive and mindful person that I am today, but that also shaped me into years of self-sabotage and nearly death. Thank you so much for listening to this second episode of Southern Fried Recovery. Again, if you have any questions, I am always available by email at Podcast at gmail.com. I would love to hear any questions you have, any feedback that you have. We are still getting this podcast started, and we're working out some audio issues and trying to kind of work out the kinks, and I have I very much enjoyed recording these first two episodes for you. If you need anything, please reach out to me, and in the next episode, I will delve more into where I cut off today, which was about the 7th, 8th grade mark. And I will really delve into what started my eating disorder that I kind of mentioned a little bit in the first episode and what it looked like day-to-day for me. What I ate, what I didn't eat, how much I exercised, what um, my weight was, not not in numbers, but in terms of of being higher and lower than, than where I started. And just the obsession in general of every single calorie i put in my body and it was a dangerously low amount i'll go ahead and and give you a foreshadowing there but anyway we're here and we are excited to keep going and telling this story and eventually have some guests on and and delve more into the research on eating disorders and just explain more in depth about how dangerous these disorders are thank you so much for listening wishing you lots of love and healing Until next time.